how do I how do I do it? How do I go to okay? I don't know. Um, no, this is taking me to an ad. Ah, oh, your website is shit. Hi, Matt. Hi, Matt. Um, yeah, hi, how are you doing? Uh, uh, it's great. I wanted to tell you happy birthday. Oh, well, thank you. Um, happy birthday to you, too. Wait, it's not your birthday. <laughs> <laughs> we should do a whole I, episode I, about that because I, we do that all the time. You know, oh, no, like I, you, I love that. Like... Well, people do that. It's just, you know, you go, you go buy a movie ticket and they're like, enjoy the show. And you're like, you, too. <laughs> yeah, I will enjoy the show of ripping these tickets for people and scanning their phones. It's so much fun. <laughs> it's what I do. Uh, That's right. But I, I hope you had a good birthday. Did you do anything I, interesting? I, well, I played video games. Oh, that's excellent. That's all. That's all. You know, what's why not? What video game kept your attention? Uh, well, I got to uh, tell you right day. now, you inspired me. With our special emergency episode. Sorry, I'm taking off my socks. That's what that sounds. Yes. Yes. Um, our special emergency episode about Street Fighter. I, I said uh, in that episode, hey, I, uh, you know, I'm pretty good at Street Fighter. I'm quite good at it. And then, so that inspired me. I, I, I went and I, you know, I have, I've got Nintendo bucks and I got uh, birthday money and stuff. And I bought the, uh, it's, it's overpriced, but I did it anyway because I'm crazy. I bought the. Uh, Ultra Street Fighter Two, the final challengers or something on Switch, wow. uh, which has like a you know like updated graphics. It's all fancy looking and, and yes. sounds and stuff, and you can also play with people online because I'm like you know I've only played with like friends and stuff in my life and and so I was and like we're, gonna, we're all terrible and so yeah well exactly and so I'm like yeah. I want to know how good I am like if I'm any good at all and uh, it turns out I'm not I was just getting my ass kicked horribly <laughs> uh, so I'm not I'm not good at Street Fighter I'm glad we've closed that thought if you didn't know we did have I mean, an I was, emergency I, I was emergency able to podcast episode yeah yeah which you can we find did. And, if, and you can find on our website matthatters.com that's uh, right. Or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and it, I mean, how badly did you lose? Well, I, I did. Uh, there was one like total novice that I was I was winning against. And there was I did win a few rounds and I held my own against um, a few people like there were. I was actually surprised because the, the system ranks people um, and it, it, well, it ranks like the based on the characters they play. But people these are these people that have like. You know, you start out with a D ranking, and there's people that have like I was playing against people that had like B and A rankings, um, and like some of them totally creamed me. And then, but then there were a couple I was like holding my own against. And I'm like, I don't know, like how this ranking system works because uh, maybe it's not like the the best metric of how good someone actually is. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, but there's also things about the game that like I there were certain kinds of moves and things that I. I, I'm rusty for one, and there's like certain kinds of things I, I never really learned how to do. I sort of kept it simple for myself, so that's part of the reason I suck. But well, uh, I'm <clears throat> I'm glad we've all discovered this together. I hope I hope I hope it continues to be fun. Uh, yeah, it will. I have a follow up from our last real episode. Yeah, 
which is that uh, we asked each other. We talked about times we mistook something for something else, and I yeah. got a a comment from a listener uh, telling cool. me a story of of the, that when that happened to her, and it's very funny, and I'm going to repeat it, which is that for her bat mitzvah when she was young, she was like you know thirteen ish, twelve ish. She uh, she had this amazing, really cool party, and she uh, really loved, and she gets to pick the food, of course, that she's going to have. So she picked, uh, like, really fancy food. It's supposed to be a big deal. So she picked, like, this amazing, like, nacho guacamole bar, and she also picked this, like, amazing sushi bar right next to it. Yeah. And, um, and as the party, and the party was happening, like, uh, a little bit later in the in the evening, and so it was pretty dark. And uh, it turns out, you know, when you when you make sushi, you have uh, wasabi, which is this big green blob, mm-hmm. and uh, which which she had a big bowl of. And then it turns out, when you're having a big nacho bar, you also have a big green blob of guacamole. <laughs> and okay. and several several guests at the party mistook one for the other, and. Uh, hijinks ensued. <laughs> oh boy! And, was it- and uh, not in the way. Yeah, yeah, they they ingested large quantities of wasabi. <laughs> Everyone was okay, but yeah, it I was wasn't, say, it wasn't there, funny. They're like people that are allergic to something that. Yeah. No, 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 no. It wasn't. No one got hurt. It was just. It was just. You know, wasabi is is invigorating, if you don't expect it, especially and. Right. Uh, and uh, these people were invigored. That, well, that was a good. Isn't that a great story? Yeah, great I, story. I, I'm glad that we have an actual good story because ours were crappy from that episode. Um, yeah, don't tell. I'll, don't tell the. Don't tell the audience that. They know for themselves if they've heard it. <laughs> uh, what What you heard at the beginning was uh, the band The Bailers uh, with their song "Hey, What's That Over There," uh, hmm. and. Uh, uh, it's kind of a weird song. It starts off their latest album, but the weird thing about it is that after the first chorus, the song just ends abruptly uh, with the sound of instruments dropping to the floor and rapid footsteps fading into the distance. Huh. Um, and then the rest of the album is just 43 minutes of silence. Huh. Um, it's a strange album. And the silent, the weird thing is the silence is still broken up into 12 separate tracks. Right. So it's just... Although there is a secret track at the end... Um, in which you can hear the sounds of a recording engineer in the control room waking up from a long nap and being very confused. Right. So, so I do recommend listening to the end to the whole, you know, forty-three minutes. Well, that sounds that sounds wonderful. I I, I got to pick that one up. Yeah, pick it up. Pick it up from Pandora. <laughs> no, from Tower Records, man. <laughs> Your local Tower Records. <laughs> I, I prefer going to Circuit City myself. It's back. No, 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 no. Tower <laughs> Records is back now. You don't understand. It's back. Is it? You could, th- yes, there they exist again because people are really into the vinyl again because the, the world vinyl. is ironic. Right, right. Yes. Um, rustic. The rustic vinyl. <laughs> free range. Free range rustic vinyl. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 Yes, the the uh, there's they don't inject the vinyl with any antibiotics. <laughs> Growth hormone free. No, no vinyl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 
Although I haven't, I haven't mm. tried the vegan <clears throat> vinyl yet. From the oh yeah, there's <laughs> impossible vinyl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, there's, I heard of... there were some lawsuits against Burger King about the impossible vinyl. Um, uh, speaking patties. of, the impossible burger is delicious. Just as an FYI, uh, mm, I don't delicious. know about that. Okay. okay, we have to talk about that later. Anyway, uh, what, so so it it is. Uh, what do you want to talk about? Uh, well, I mean, we gotta, you know, pick a topic uh, here. But I, oops, I wanted to, that was. A, did you hear that? It was like a freaking did. like burp or something. No, but um, it's really terrible. I'm <laughs> I'm a disgusting pig. But so <laughs> so uh, listen, I wanted to do something special first, actually, for uh, for for St. Patty's Day. Is that's what the kids call it? Because I call it. St. That's Patrick's coming up. That's day. coming up soon, isn't it? It is, and when this airs, uh, it will be that day or like the day no. after. Yeah. No. Oh yeah, my gosh. Gonna, yeah, yeah. Because we do this a week week before. Uh, yeah. That's a secret. Um, insider information. This isn't. That's right. This show isn't live. Sorry, <laughs> this folks. Show isn't this is live. Pre- this is pre-recorded. <laughs> pre-recorded podcast yeah oh Um, you won't even hear like i don't even really notice the adr uh yeah uh, Yeah. well we're just i mean that's really the part that takes the longest i think yeah all the fix-ups yeah i well i i i yeah (laughs) my co-host is actually a totally different matt but he's just he's just so terrible that i that i just replace all the audio with somebody else um uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> luckily, I know a lot pay, of Matt. This actor, this Chris, you pay. His name is Chris, actually, but he goes by Matt. Well, I know um, a lot of Matts, so luckily, I have a lot yeah. of backups. You, you're very replaceable because I, <laughs> I know a lot of. I've got a lot of friends named Matt. It's true. It's true. <laughs> um, no, I thought I wanted to share a few limericks because limericks are fun. Okay, um, and there's. Uh, so this also, I wanted to write a new one for the the show. I only but, know uh, one. I only know one limerick. Y- yeah, you know a good one. Actually. I do, it, but it, but it's but it's only one. You've heard it already. Well, you but should you, say you, it. Oh. No, you tell me your limericks okay. because they're well, funny. Well, so that, several years ago, I was binge watching Columbo. You know, like everyone did in 2012. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, and there was a there because it's a great great show. And there is an episode of Columbo where he's that's full of limericks, and I was really inspired by these limericks. Um, the episode is called "The Conspirators," um, and uh, uh, there was a couple of them that stuck in my mind, and I'm going to share those first. Uh, first one is: There once was a fella named Finnegan, who escaped from a jail. So to sin again, he broke laws by the dozen, even stole from his cousin. So the jail he broke out of, he's in again. That's one. Oh. And then, Yep. And then there's another one. Uh, a, a rare old bird is the pelican. His bur- his bill holds more than his belly can. He can take in his beak enough food for a week. I'm damned if I know how the hell he can. <laughs> That's so good. I, I like really it. liked these, especially because of how they're like, they're like very advanced limericks because they're like yes. three syllable rhymes, right? Yes. So I was inspired and I, and I wrote three of my own. <gasps> which which took this is what's such a treat it actually took a long time for me to write these because I, they're because i'm terrible and so because they're, no, they're so tricky to yeah because i wanted to make them good so 
Here's, here goes. I'm ready. A grave robber swiped some papyrus, and he caught an incurable virus. He said, not sure what's worse, that I've wakened a curse or touched boogers as old as Osiris. <laughs> That's fine. That's a fine one. Good work. Okay. Good work. Okay, okay. That's one down. All right. Okay. Here's another one. A slave who'd forged many a saber once complained of the work to his neighbor. She said, suck it up, hun. This is 1301 and there ain't no Department of Labor. <laughs> uh, the, workers, the workers lament right yes. there. In uh, the form. medieval workers lament. And then yeah. last but not least, I think this is my favorite one. Um, the model was told by the agency, kid, you'll make bigger waves than the raging sea. But will my stardom hold, she asked, when I am old? And the agent said, you'll have to age and see. Oh, come on. Come on. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, that was terrible. <laughs> no, no, that's the best one. Oh, my gosh. Oh. No, the, mo- the only limerick I know, okay. which I will repeat for, my list, for the listeners, is uh, there once was a man from Kent whose thing was so long that it bent. To save him the trouble, he bent it double. So instead of coming, he went. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, you've told me that one, and it's fantastic. That's, it's a fantastic is. one. I heard it from my from my uh, long ago friend Noah, uh, and ah. I don't know where he heard it from. I don't know if he made it up or if it was something he learned, but it's excellent, <clears throat> excellent one. Um. <clears throat> Yes, it is. It is. So your, so your limericks were good, though. I liked it too. Age and see, though, I feel like my my wife would like that one. She loves age. bad puns. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm agency with agency. Woo! Ah, uh, it was ah. Uh, I just I feel a little bit. I mean, if you can't do puns in a limerick, where can you do them? You know, come on. Yeah. Um. So, uh, are are we are we are we ready for the mad hat? I, I think so. I think it's about time to do that Matt Hat thing. Okay, we will do do um, uh, the Matt Hat, but uh, but first, this podcast was brought to you by Harper's Classic Cream Soda. Do you love the rich vanilla flavor of Harper's Classic Cream Soda? Well, Harper's just got a whole lot sweeter with our limited time Harper's Instant Win giveaway. Now through May 15th, select bottles of our classic cream soda will contain redeemable prizes from $500 cash to our grand prize of a 10-day trip for two to the Bahamas. And to really spice things up, a select number of our bottles will contain trace amounts of rat piss. At Harper's, we work hard to give our customers the most refreshing and exciting cream soda experience. So we consulted with the top minds in game design to help us raise the stakes to create the ultimate instant win enjoyment. Now, one in 10,000 bottles will contain the grand prize of 10 days of tropical island bliss in the Bahamas, while two in 10,000 bottles will contain a roughly thimble-sized amount of urine from a common sewer rat mixed into the beverage. You could be the lucky winner of a full tour of the Bahamas, including the crystal clear waters of the Abacos, the luscious greenery of the Andros, and the ultimate an island, hopping among, an island hopping among the gorgeous Berry Islands. Or you could be the unlucky consumer of a refreshing beverage which, alas, contains a small volume of urine once belonging to a wild rodent which has deliberately been denied even a basic physical examination by a veterinarian. 
The grand prize winner will get to experience not only the lush beauty of the tropics, but also an enriching immersion immersion in the Bahamian in Bahamian culture, like its unforgettable Caribbean cuisine or Nassau's electrifyingly colorful Junkanoo parades. The rat was discovered and captured by Gus, an employee at one of our manufacturing plants, who, for reasons we don't quite understand, weirdly likes to try and to find and capture sewer rats. And while we really don't know anything about rats, we're all pretty much agreed that this particular rat doesn't look totally well and may in fact have some manner of undetermined illness. There's no additional purchase necessary. Just enjoy the same refreshing great taste of Harper's and look under the cap to see if you're a winner. Or alternatively, in the case of a blank cap, you may or may not be drinking a reasonably minuscule proportion of excrement from a seven-inch long brown rat who is definitely balding in random spots and whose lazy eye for some bizarre reason seems to be neurologically related to the paw it keeps favoring. Just think. You could be enjoying a refreshing Harper's Classic Cream Soda while relaxing on one of the shimmering sandy beaches of Cat Island, though we admit that your chances of drinking rat piss are slightly higher, but still very, very low. And, and since Gus perversely volunteered to taste test one of the contaminated bottles, we can assure you that even contaminated Harper's doesn't taste anything like rat piss, though there is something that will probably taste slightly off about it that you won't be able to put your finger on. Then again, since we didn't have time for Gus to do an actual blind test, he could just be imagining it, you know? So hurry and pick up your instant win bottle of Harper's Classic Cream Soda while supplies last to see if you're the lucky winner of an all-expenses-paid 10-day trip to the Bahamas, or if you're maybe instead unlucky enough to drink just a tiny bit of cloudy, slightly orange-tinted sewer rat urine, which, while we're no experts, does seem to be kind of a weird way for urine to look. Harper's Classic Cream Soda. Same great taste. Well, probably. Almost certainly the same great taste, in fact. Limit one prize per customer. Harper's is not responsible for any of the following circumstances experienced by participants of Harper's Instant Win Giveaway. Delayed or canceled flights, overbooked hotels, lost or stolen luggage, paralysis, weather-related cancellation of activities, plague, jaundice, failure to redeem prize before deadline, tularemia, salmonellosis, rat bite fever, death, hantavirus pulmonary syndrome, leptospirosis, lymphocytic choreomeningitis, and misplaced personal belongings. <clears throat> I'm so glad that, uh, that, uh, I'm gonna go out and buy some bottles. Yeah, you gotta stock up because... You got to increase your chances of getting the That's winning. That's exactly right. The winning bottle. Uh, that that reminds me of a story of a real story though uh, about yeah. a friend of ours who who li- did have to chase a cat around a food making facility that got in somehow. And but I but maybe we'll share that. I'll share that story another day. Maybe, and perhaps. cat does rhyme with rat, so that is a relevant story. That's right. <laughs> Let's see. We got a we got a mad hat here. I don't know. I didn't do. I didn't uh, shuffle it very much before the. You know, I, I I had to cut corners. I ran out of time. But anyway, here's our mad hat topic you didn't, for the day. You didn't lick. You didn't lick each piece of paper. <clears throat> right. Like you usually exactly. do. Exactly. Seal the envelope. Uh, the topic is a book on your shelf. Oh. Do you have a book on your shelf? Do I even have a shelf? Not in here. Do you have a? Do you have uh, a? Do you own a book? Let's see. I do. Uh, I I don't own many books. Um, That's right. I'm gonna say a book on my shelf is uh, "Lives of a Cell" by Lewis Thomas, which is one of my favorite oh. books. Uh, tell tell give what, what give me a little update about it. I don't know anything about it. Give me a little summary. Lewis Thomas was, uh, he's no longer alive. I think he died in 1991 or something. But he was, I believe he was dean of Harvard Medical School um, 
for a while, and it, it, and I think it, back in the seventies he was, and he he used to he was a medical um, a, a person in medicine, like a big name in medicine, and uh, he also wrote um, these regular essays back in the seventies, uh, and I don't remember which publication he wrote them for. I'm sure we'll put this all in the show notes. But uh, what's cool, there's a couple things that are cool about him. For one is that the essays he would write were not exclusively about medicine. They were about like biology more generally, but they also, they were kind of, he, he was very into like poetry and classical music and also etymology. So like he just would like kind of ramble and muse on these interesting things that, um, so he was very kind of poetically written, but it was like mixed right. in with like all of this like biological jargon and stuff. Um, and and he he seemed to be kind of a um, he kind of had an overall almost like Gaia theory uh, attitude or worldview where he kind of viewed um, just symbiotic relationships in nature as being much more commonplace. And, and much more interesting and something more that we should focus on than uh, like the idea of survival of the fittest and competitiveness and, and mm. animals trying to kill each other all the time or whatever. Um, That's cool. And the, the other really interesting thing about him is that he came of age like he, he was like in medical school, like in the 20s or 30s or something. So wow. he came of age as a doctor, as a medical doctor, right around the time when penicillin was discovered. And so he has this very interesting perspective on medicine where he kind of has seen when medicine became like, he kind of compared like medicine pre-1930 to like alchemy before chemistry, where it was right. like a bunch of guesswork and a bunch of like goofy pseudoscience trial and error stuff and it turned into like like a real discipline science at a certain point. And so he also wrote a lot about like how medicine is this kind of younger science, but how rapidly it's progressed um, into something that's really efficient and effective. Yeah, and you might say that like humans are uniquely incentivized <clears throat> to make sure that medicine works well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, you know, but he, well, and, but actually he also had these like, he said the reason uh, he believed that the reason medicine works so well nowadays is not because of uh, incentivized research, but by like basic biological research. He was like a strong proponent of basic biologic research, which is difficult to like fund because nobody, you know, people want a cure for this particular disease. And so it's like, you know, targeted research, but he's like, we need to just like, do research for research's sake, because he was saying that like in the 1800s, all the study people did, the basic biological research is what allowed us to uh, understand microbial life and to understand about things like bacteria in general. And he said, mm -hmm. we never would have discovered penicillin if we hadn't had that basic understanding as advanced right. as it was. So. <laughs> Well, that's cool. Anyway. It sounds like a really it sounds like a really awesome book. Yeah, he had a lot of a lot of ideas that you know I could go into um, about things that just were really really fascinating to me. It's kind of a unique perspective on everything. Cool. Uh, I'm going to share the book on my shelf. I read the book not so long ago called 
The Murderbot Diaries by Murder Martha Wells. Murderbot. Oh, Murderbot Diaries by Martha Wells. Um, okay. It's, uh, it's a science fiction book about a security uh, protocol droid, no, a security droid uh, <laughs> who's a cyborg. Um, you know, so like there are biological parts and there are machine parts. But he ha- but unlike many cyborg stories, he doesn't have like a human life. He was assembled and created as a as a cyborg. It wasn't like he was a human and slowly replaced parts like Rob- RoboCop style. I was gonna um, say RoboCop, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, he's just it's totally ultimate... synthesized and as a cyborg. Yeah. He has no memory of anything but being a cyborg. And uh, and he's a sec unit, as they call it's it, this. The, uh, one of the things that's great about this book is is the author. She uses a lot of like. Um, really like militaristic terms to describe things in a way that is almost, that is sort of funny. Um, mm. In a way that's very corporate and very sort of funny, um, you know, me working in a corporation. So she, anyway, so this robot is a sec unit, the security unit, and and his, his job is to protect these people exploring a planet and um, these humans exploring a planet. And, and it turns out something weird is happening on the planet. And as a result... Uh, all sorts of bad things happen, and he has to protect the humans. Uh, but anyway, but 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 sort of in his favor, he has he has some autonomy that he's not supposed to have, and he's he's no one knows that he is actually not just a, a robot programmed. He actually has like a whole secret life, and not even the humans he's mm. trying to protect and know that he has this secret life, and he has like all of these wishes and desires, and and he likes watching soap operas on TV. And whatever else, um, and he has none of, but but no one else knows this about about the robot, and uh, and it, but it's event, but but the through the through the plot of the of the novel, a very short novel, um, it turns out that he's uh, it's revealed that uh, this is revealed to the humans, and and all sorts of exciting things happen, and I don't want to give it away, but it's a great it's a great book, and it made me think differently about these kinds of stories about about. Uh, robots and about humans and the relationship between them. It was really interesting, and and th- I think in general it always makes me think. Whenever I read science fiction, especially ones where corporations are are taking over in a kind of a cyberpunky way, it always makes me wonder about the future and about what you know how powerful corporations are now. And I probably and, uh, I probably wouldn't like that book because I don't like historical biographies. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, it's because, good. The whole, I think the whole book is like a hundred pages. It's not. Yeah. It's not a long book. It is. It is a short story. It is lovely. It has been well crafted and it is a blast to read. And it's punchy. It's very punchy. Yeah. Okay. In a good way. Well, yeah. I. I. Uh, I. I don't. You know. I prefer movies to books or whatever. Or it's yes. funny. It's because. I, uh, well, especially like narrative. Narrative kinds of books. Uh, yeah, I know although, because you're because you're basically illiterate. I understand. I know, and I, <laughs> I, but I, I have, I am from the Poland. I don't understand these uh, books. <laughs> anyway, uh, this English is uh, difficult. So the the um, uh, I was gonna say something. Uh, uh, the books, uh, <laughs> books, yeah, books are great. Books are great. Why, I don't, like, why don't you like? I like. Why don't you like books? You should like books. I don't know. My eyes glaze over. I uh, no. I I I I just like. Um, I just I I prefer 
Uh, when I read books, I I prefer the um, the non-narrative format, the expository or the persuasive or whatever. You know, just people. I prefer dry things, but I have to be interested in it. You know, but it's even still, I don't finish books. I don't know. I just have I just have no attention span because a book takes a long time. You know, I can watch a movie for two hours, but books. Uh, I actually often compare them to video games because. It takes like these this number of hours to get through it in multiple sittings, um, yeah. and sometimes you you have the same kind of feeling uh, after you finish a good book and you fi- or you finish a good video game. You're like, wow, I just went on this journey, you know. Whereas you don't really have that from a two hour movie. But I often don't finish video games either. Like I start things and I don't finish them. That's just true of me in general. Um, yeah. I'm bored with this. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> the end. <laughs> I was going to say, though, I I do like – I love science fiction because um, I I think it's like a really great um, way to illustrate or to create like some kind of um, allegories or analogies to uh, things – important questions in life, important questions about people, about world problems. And to me, like the best kind of – like art is is the kind where where there is some kind of um i guess allegory like it's not, there's a straightforward story and then you realize oh wait this is what this is really about it's really about this underlying question and this underlying thing and uh, science fiction has uh, does such a good job of of making that that sort of coded um uh kind of multi-layered thing uh which is which is really cool and i and i'm i'm a little resentful that science fiction is just it's just not taken has never been taken very seriously it's always been thought of as like a um you know niche interest or yeah something. like not 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 like a real literary genre right and it's you know, called I, a genre it's actually called genre fiction meaning that like it's it's not worth talking about <laughs> yeah right I, I don't understand like genre like people people don't like genres it's like genre just means type and there's uh everything is a genre really i i um god i don't know the name of this guy he was yeah. some kind of there there was a guy i watched like this seminar cuz i worked uh at at this venue in in new york city uh, and so I got to see some interesting sort of talks and events. And he had this kind of screenwriting seminar for screenwriters. He's this kind of uh, famous guy, I think, in the industry. And he he was this kind of like crotchety, grumpy man who was very entertaining because he'd like complain about things. Uh, but he also had this. Uh, maybe I'll find him and put him in the show notes. He he complained about this um, about people talking that way about movies. They're like. Well, this is a genre film. He's like, everything is a genre right. film. Every like right. drama is like either a, you know, there's a redemption, there's either see like a redemption story or like a coming of age story or, you know, like even within. So the ben, yeah. I, I, I was listening to um, <clears throat> uh, like a, like a video blog called Extra Credits where the, uh, one of the old writers in the show, a guy named James Portnow was talking about the, his definition of like what genre means and I really like this definition. It's it's it has to do with what the user expects from the art, from the media, for from the particular yeah. thing they're judging. So like you go to see a romance film because you you the audience 
you, the viewer, want to experience the you know joy of a romance or whatever, or you want, or you go to a science fiction film because you're looking to see uh, stories about science or stories about um, you know cool technology or something, and like and like you can classify movies based off of like the subjective desire of the audience or any any yeah. art based off what the user is like based off what the viewer is trying to get from the from the media, and I think that's really. I think that's really that's a really good insight, and it really changed some things the way I thought about like, like what is a western really? It's a western. You have to have how you know cowboy hats. Uh, you know, in, there have to be like plains Indians. You got to have like horses, but at the same time, like Firefly is like a wonderful western show in many ways. Yeah, and it's, well, you can and have it, even though yeah. it's in space, you know, because it's not like it's not it's, the space doesn't make it a, a, a space show. It's that like people who are watching westerns might also like watching this sort of thing. Yeah, it, there there are definitely you can have multiple genres in one uh, work, right? Um, yeah. and you often do. Um, in fact, the, a lot of movies try to in order to maximize the, their their audience, they try to put multiple genres in every film even if it's an action movie they they have the the hero and whatever they have people get together they have romance stories within there right so they have like so they always do that but um that th that's good that you brought up this expectation thing of the audience cuz this guy now I really have to find him this guy I remember him telling saying the same thing about how um like there is he was talking about conventions and he was actually making a distinction between conventions and cliches. And people always mm. like uh, criticize movies for being conventional. And he's like, he's like, there's nothing wrong with conventions. He's like, cliches are bad. You should avoid cliches, but conventions are there uh, as something that is familiar to the genre that the audience expects. So like in the example of a, of a romantic comedy, there's the meet cute, which is the convention of, of the, this sort of cute, scenario where the two characters meet for the first time mm -hmm. and every rom-com has to have a meet cute now if you make it like at a laundromat or something then it's a cliche right if it, like it's a specific way they meet mm. is something that's been done a million times then it's a cliche and so it's like the audience expects certain things and you can subvert uh, conventions but if you're doing it for a specific reason with the specific knowledge that you're doing that like you know you make a movie that's straightforward and then you put like a twist at the end and it surprises the audience you're doing it on purpose but like i like this idea of of kind of judging art and entertainment based on um like working within the constraints of what is conventional and familiar but adding a twist to make it new and surprising and to me that's like the best kind of entertainment which is why I don't like, you know, I don't like art films or whatever, where it's just, it's so original that there is nothing that's like um, familiar or relatable to the audience watching because they're like, I don't even know what I'm looking at, you know. So you have to, to a certain degree, you have to recognize it as a type of story that you've heard before, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, I have a, I have a, a thing to read. From the same author that I like, that I just mentioned, Martha Wells. Yeah. I'm going to read a little bit of a short story that she submitted, put on to Wired magazine. I'm going to read it on the air. And you can, you can tell me if you like it. Okay. Uh, okay. Are you ready? Yeah. It's not like I haven't thought about killing the humans since I hacked my governor module. But then 
I started exploring the company's servers and discovered hundreds of hours of downloadable entertainment media, and I figured, what's the hurry? I can always kill the humans after the next series ends. Even the humans think about killing the humans, especially here. I hate mines and mining, and humans who work in mining, and of all the stupid mines I can remember, I hate this stupid mine the most. But the humans hate it more. My risk assessment module predicts a 53% chance of a human-on-human -human massacre before the end of the contract. Knobface, Elaine said to Asa, you're not the supervisor. Maybe that percentage should have been higher, the way the three humans on the observation platform were fighting about the flow rate. Not that I cared. I was in the entertainment feed, watching episode 44 of The Rise and Fall of Sanctuary Moon and monitoring ambient audio for keywords in the unlikely event that a human said something important. Those things make my insides creep. That was Sekai looking at me. Nobody likes sec units. Even I don't like us. We're part human, part bot constructs, and we make everybody nervous and uncomfortable. I didn't react. I'm in full armor, and I keep my visor opaque. Also, 98% of my attention was on the episode I was watching. The colony's solicitor's bodyguard and best friend had just been crushed under debris while trying to save a transport mech trapped in a, in a crash. Were they really going to kill her off? That sucked. I didn't realize anything had happened on the platform until I heard a strangled yell. I ran back my video. Asa had turned abruptly and accidentally bumped into Sakai, knocking her off the platform. Great. I paused the episode and checked the monitoring drone down in the shaft. I couldn't get a visual, but I tracked the power signature of Sakai's suit. She bounced off the stabilizer wall, ouch, and hit a blade on the extractor housing. Gravity was lighter in the shaft, and there was a chance that the impacts hadn't... Yeah, she was moving. I isolated her comm signal and heard harsh, frightened breathing. She had 90 seconds before that blade moved and dumped her down to be incinerated in the collectors. That's the, that's the part I've read. And then there's more. <clears throat> is that, so that's is from a different... Yeah, but different. it's the same same uh, same same sort of series. It's like a a very very short uh, prelude, if you will. Yeah, is this is this the same character? Yeah, same character. Yeah, who's awesome, so, right? Who's awesome? Yeah, I like it's, that character. It, it's well, it's 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 def it's interesting. It's like um, it's, so it's like a stream of consciousness thing. I mean, sort of. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you're um, hearing exactly what's inside the murder bot's head. Right. Um, is that how the whole book is, yes. basically? It's like from, yes. yeah. Yeah, so in a stream of consciousness, whatever. Uh, yeah, and so it's like I'm getting, it's kind of like a, it's almost like a disgruntled worker thing. Yes. Like someone, <laughs> someone home, coming home from the day on a job was like, oh, God, this job sucks. And, and, and like, I just want to watch Netflix or whatever. And, That's right. Uh, <laughs> but it's like some weird future version of that, and it's a cyborg. And there's some, yes. like, obviously, I haven't, I haven't read. You're, you're, it's like you're reading this small excerpt, so I'm not clear on. There's all these details of like how this world is, like the world building. I haven't, you know. There isn't. Seen there isn't yet. that world building in the books. Hmm. Like the, it's only like very short, if there is any. Yeah. Like you're because because the, the you know the the. The narrator, the, the the murder bot, just assumes that you know this. Right, stuff. it's wonderful. It's a lovely. It's a lovely stories. It um, is. It's weird and cool and interesting. Um, I think, I uh, personally think that that uh, science fiction is is more. A lot of the time is more, or has the potential to even be more meaningful um, uh, as a genre. And like, 
Uh, I just wanted to mention, uh, I read about um, uh, Rod Rod Serling. Uh, oh, yeah. The creator of The Twilight Zone. Yeah. Uh, that he kind of um, realized this. Uh, and he, when he made his show, he knew that people didn't take science fiction seriously, that they thought of it as this kind of like escapist thing that always oh, is this silly science fiction. And because of that, uh, his show slipped under the radar more and, and he was able to get away with a lot more like interesting, like satirical messages where he was kind of criticizing elements of society and, and all doing all these. He had all, all these like interesting like ideas and messages that um, that you wouldn't he wouldn't have been able to get away with if he had done a kind of a more mainstream show or a more straightforward, yeah. non fantastical show. Um, and and so because of that, you know, the his show was more, uh, I think, artistically uh, had more artistic merit than a lot of shows that weren't science fiction back then. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I mean, it's, I, I it's it's great. I've watched an interview with him uh, on the Mike Wallace show or whatever. And it from 1950. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's uh, it's excellent. Would recommend you spending your time and listening to, to it. I'll also put that in the show notes. Man, so there many good go. notes. I today. know we're gonna have a lot of show notes. That, um, hey, but yeah. Hey, hmm. guess what? What? I went to the website, and you know, I, I we asked our listeners to to uh, answer the question of is the marble league a sport? Yes. You know oh, that's say? right. What is the? I was gonna ask. What are the results? How, how many people has anybody? <laughs> six six people have responded. Okay. It's it's four to two. Yes to no. So oh. the answer is yes, it is a sport and I win. Wait, That's the important part. you're lying. You're just, now you're just, you have all, I have no way of knowing. Go to the website. Go to the website. Just go to the website. When I go to the website, it says you have already voted and it won't show me. I got to. No, click, click, the, click the results. Button. Are they results it says, now? show me okay. the results. Um, uh, anyway, so so now that now that that's established, uh, <laughs> I think I think we should put a different poll up, uh, but I don't know what it should be. Well, oh. maybe we should put, put a poll about that. A poll about what? <laughs> what about, the poll should be next. What the- <laughs> <laughs> but then we'll only pick two things, and it'll be a yes or no answer. <laughs> no, right. no, we'll pick one thing. We'll pick one. Thing. This is perfect. <laughs> should the poll be about this? Yes or no? And that'll be. <laughs> uh, anyway, is there anything else we have to do? I think that's the end. Let's just let's 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 end it up. What are we gonna listen to on the way out? Uh, You are. Thanks for listening, everybody. Um, We'll see you next time, or we'll hear. You'll hear us next time, and we will not even have much proof that you exist. That's right. As uh, as usual. Yes. Uh, And to to send you off here, you're listening to the band Sex in Numbers uh, with their hit song "Babies, You're the Ones for Me."
Well, two of them were us. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't say oh. that. Don't say that. Uh, you started it. You voted. And I was like, you can't vote. <laughs> so I was like, screw this. I'm voting. 